Well, we are back to That's a Tough One, the post-Thanksgiving episode with the mostest, bringing you all those interesting stories from across the internet, and I'm assuming, since we're recording this before Thanksgiving, that we are nice and full, and just enjoy a great time <laughs> eating all the food we can. I'm stuffed on macaroni, how about you? <laughs> I'm stuffed too. Yeah, um, I can feel the, the stuffness in the future. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and while we are so full, make sure y'all go over to our Instagram and tweeters. Instagram, that's a tough one pod. And the tweeter, that's a underscore tough one. If you didn't understand me, go to the description. It'll be there. Yeah, you lost me a little bit. So we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Yeah. At those places you said. Yeah. Okay. The gram and the tweet. <laughs> And that pie getting to your head. All that, all that pie that I'm consuming in the future, boy, it got me leaning. Mm-hmm. Yes. The future being the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That's where we are now. Yeah. Okay. Or Sunday. Probably Sunday. Sunday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Cool, oh. cool, cool. Because cool. y'all listen to this, it is the future. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's like y'all are the time travelers. Wow. That's really yeah. deep. It was deep. Deep in Thanksgiving. <laughs> deep in this macaroni. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's macalicious, baby. Now, is that the only thing you plan on eating macaroni and, or you you ate macaroni and pie? Yeah, that's all I need. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. That turkey stuff makes you weak. <laughs> Lower your testosterone. Well, I'm really excited that my family chose to embrace a healthy Thanksgiving this year. And so, including some healthy options. Healthy options? Why, yeah. Why, why did you do that? Some low carb, low fat options for. You know, for those of us who, who just want to take in a little bit less fat, a little less carbs, a little less calories, but still be able to enjoy the holiday. You better uh, lower your carb intake leading up to Thanksgiving, because <laughs> Thanksgiving Day and post day, yeah. you got a carbo load. Mm. Mm. So Black Friday shopping. Yes. And talking about Black Friday shopping, uh, yeah. my first mini story as I burp and keep that in the podcast because we don't edit out here folks y'all get all that's real mm. <clears throat> headline why Ralph Lauren Levi's and more designers are pulling their brands away from TJ Maxx you know like you talked about earlier yeah. with those ugly sweaters the supply chain is real and those yeah. big brand companies they just don't see the benefit in making sure TJ Maxx and their affiliated stores are full with their products and they are so short at their locations and their online shopping mm-hmm. so i mean it makes sense for them like hey <laughs> i would love for tj maxx to get all this stuff and yeah. the, the way the article was talking about even the past couple of years uh ralph lauren has been pulling about 25 percent away from tj maxx wow that's i i feel like that's really impactful uh, especially when you go into the men's section because you can get uh ralph lauren's like a men's button down dress shirt at TJ Maxx for about, you know, between $25 and $35. Probably, whereas, oh, probably about like 30, $35 to 50 Okay. Hmm. Depending on what the item is, you can get it for maybe, I mean, well over 50% less than what you would be paying in Macy's or, or Dillard's full price or a Ralph Lauren store. And I, I know a lot of people depend on um, TJ Maxx and Marshalls for their, to get nice dress clothes. Yeah, at a discounted price. Yeah, everybody wants to be able to wear sometimes designer clothes, even if you just can't all out afford them. And TJ Maxx really provided yeah. that need. Like, hey, I can still get this name brand and yeah. be, you know, you want to you look nice, you want to feel nice. You want to get that clo- yeah. clothing that you see other people wearing. Last season stuff. And I, and I do think for a lot of people, um, TJ Maxx and Marshalls carry a good brand, a good mix of, some higher end pieces they find them that they find their way in. So like you know, I know they always have a lot of Michael Kors. They have a lot of Ralph Lauren. They do have some Levi's. They have some um, what's the name of it? It's a denim brand that's really popular. It's not Levi's. Um, they got Lucky Brand in Lucky, there. Lucky, yeah, Lucky Brand. Oh. They every once in a while, if you're lucky, you will catch a little bit of Express, Zara, uh, American Eagle, and then they have the designer stuff too. Mm-hmm. as well so i do think it's like that the way that your average person who maybe doesn't have a lot of money you know or maybe you know they they can catch something the next season later for the trend so 
that's, that's pretty impactful because some of the other stuff they got in TJ Maxx is not always the best quality yeah, it, or the most stylish. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it will come from a brand, but I definitely see why that brand tossed it. Sometimes they just tossed stuff, it's overstocked, or it didn't sell, and it ends up at TJ Maxx. Yeah. Which, it doesn't mean it's bad, but sometimes there's a reason people didn't buy it. And I definitely think I've noticed... Uh, maybe going into the winter, like this first push of stuff, because we like to shop at TJ Maxx and Marshalls a lot. So we go in there all the time. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed that there have been some nice pieces in there, like some Joe's jeans and things. But then some of the other stuff is like a lot of Rugrats hoodies and T-shirts for some <laughs> reason. You know, a lot of stuff that you would just like, who's wearing this? Who is this for? <laughs> so I, I do think it'll be a really big deal for for those designers to start pulling out of Marshalls and, and TJ Maxx for sure. Yeah, because I bet. That would just mean that now TJ Maxx really has to step their game well because the whole point was I'm getting designer clothes for a good price, but yeah. now you have to try to pivot and you have to actually find nice clothes. If you're not going to get it from a nice designer, your clothes just have to be nice. Like that one brand I like to wear for yeah. my shirts. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, it's just a TJ Maxx exclusive, but it's a really it's a really nice button-down shirt. Yeah. So. And I know when thinking about the holidays, for some people, they know they can go into TJ Maxx and get a nice designer handbag for their mom or their, you know, their partner mm-hmm. or whatever. And those, and those items aren't going to be in the store. You know, now you're talking about increasing your budget cause you got to spend an extra hundred dollars on something. Yeah. You know, or you got now it's more, it's more stress on the department stores that are going to have sales on those designer merchandise to, to sell it. It's going to be more people looking for that stuff. And like, you know, Macy's has sales, good sales. Bloomingdale's will have a sale every once in a while. But it's still not going to be those prices like you're going to see in, in TJ Maxx or Marshall. So it's unfortunate that it's like the these economic changes always are the most impactful, kind of like the people who are, you know, lower middle class, lower class. Yeah, hopefully once this the supply chain issue is fixed, it might take up to half a year to fix it. Yeah, but yeah. It, it could start getting the ball back rolling. So it might be something that's not really affecting CJ Maxx right now, but say by the springtime, hey, a lot of those designers have pulled out. That's when the inventory yeah, yeah. for that time is not, it's just not going to be there for them. Yeah, you mentioned a season. The thing is you're missing a season, a season of clothing that would be going into the store the next year too. So for example, the, the, the winter line that's in the department stores right now is usually what you are going to find in the department stores next fall and next winter. So you're always about a season back. That's why the stuff is discounted. So that means not only are you going to see less stuff this year during the winter, you're going to see less winter stuff next year as well mm-hmm. because it just wasn't enough made to be over, to have overstocked to sell to the departments. I mean, to TJ Maxx and Ross and, and stores like that. So this thing is going to have a long-term ripple effect for sure. Oh, yeah. But the one thing I would say is potentially a positive of all this is it may lead some people to be more creative about how they give gifts. So if you can't go, if it's not easy to buy an item, maybe you have to find a way to be more creative and thoughtful about making somebody something, Mm -hmm. providing an experience as a gift, maybe just not going in the store and buying this expensive item, maybe being a little bit more creative and thinking about something else that they would like. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see just how the nature of gift giving changes when you can't just easily go in the store and buy this, <laughs> this fragrance or this bag or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, do you have any, a small story or anything you would like to share with the group? I do. Ooh, I do. What you got for us? So I have, I'm going to do it a little differently this week. Usually I do my Reddit stories at the end. But I think these are a little bit more appropriate as we're already on the shop topic of Black Friday and we're doing minis. So I'm, I'm throwing a little, a little curveball. So, so I, for those who don't know, I used to work in retail and I have worked a Black Friday or two and I've worked during the holiday season. And I can tell you it's a horrible experience. <laughs> so if you're going to be in the stores over the next month or so, please just be kind to your retail worker. They're just doing what they're told they're overworked underpaid they're skipping lunch breaks their feet hurt they're just they're doing their best so they may not always have the answers to your questions but one thing i can tell you is rarely if ever do we keep items in the back and hide them from you we would much rather give it to you so you can get out of our face 
So yeah, no, nobody's trying to make you make your life harder by having you yell at them because they couldn't provide that thing. Yeah, and most of the time, if we're telling you that you can't do something, it's because you can't do it, and our manager would have our butts if we let you do something that you want to do. So please mm-hmm. keep that in mind before you explode on a on a person that makes nine dollars an hour uh, over over a DVD or something like that. So I searched Reddit for a few Black Friday horror stories. Um. I'm not going to read them on the podcast, but there was a surprising amount of people uh, vomiting and using the restroom on themselves in the stores oh to get gosh. deals. And I, ch- I decided let's not read those because <laughs> no, I don't, I'm sad I had to read them, so I'm not going to make y'all listen to them. What kind of deal are you getting? Uh, Yeah, they're, they're, I'm just going to step out of line. Whatever's <laughs> happening, if something is happening in my body that I can't hold... I'm going to have to just let the TV go or whatever it is and get out of line. <laughs> I shit myself for 20% off this laptop. There was a person who did do that for a $199 flat screen TV in Best oh, Buy. Oh my gosh. Yep. Those aren't even the TVs on Black Friday. Those are literally the, the worst TVs. <sighs> okay, well, here we go. Here are some. So one person says, back in my poor college days, I worked at Walmart and we had a fight breakout over a bicycle. Fists were thrown and there was some blood. Eventually, one guy got a hold of it and managed to get it away from the crowd. He then rode the bike out of the store to flee his pursuers, and of course, he did not pay. <laughs> hey, good for him. Fight capitalism one bike at a time. You know what? The smart thing to do, though, is to be the person who's the bystander of the fight. Because while the two people are fighting, you yoink that thing, and then it's yours. <laughs> you know? Like, he was smart. He said, well, shoot, I'm out of here. He yeah. rode out like Debo. Oh man, grandma gave me that chain. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna start it. It's at least they problems at that moment. Yep. Here's one. I, f- I figured that you would you would have something to say. Um, a lady called nine one one because we wouldn't price match with Best Buy. The police came and arrested her for misusing the emergency service. As they should. As they should. <laughs> <laughs> like, ma'am, ma'am, what like what do you think is going on? Man, if I was a 911 operator, I would have been like, so what, help me understand what part of this is the emergency. And then if you still insist on having the police come out, I'm like, are you sure you want the police to come and make a decision? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are you sure? Because back in my days when I was an officer, but I was hurt and had to work the desk, I had to tell people about themselves. Like, are you sure you want police to come out there? You got to make them sound stupid. And they should have made her sound even stupider. She probably insisted, though. You know what I mean? If you insist, we ha- they, they have to send somebody out there to help you. And once they get out there and arrest you, you have to feel like the biggest dummy in the world. Because what you going to tell when you try to defend yourself to your family and say they arrest me for the wrong reason. Like, <laughs> now, what, now, what happened? Right. I think that's one of those things where, like, you get in the you by the time you ride in the back of the police car and you're booked into jail and you sit in jail and you have a couple hours and you sit in there and you start thinking about it you're like oh yeah I was overreacting that was stupid <laughs> I feel really stupid now like I really called because they didn't want to <laughs> price match this shit like wow man overpriced match. and it was still probably a good deal it probably was most of those Black Friday sales if something is like one ninety nine at Best Buy it may be like. 184 or 189 in Walmart. It's not that big of a difference in price to where you need to call the police. It's like you you were really like I understand you trying to say that $15. Hey, that's completely understandable. Hey, do what you yeah, got to do. Yeah, yeah. But you're calling the police for like $15. On a holiday where they're already probably working a lot cuz it's more calls than usual or short staffed, but they want to be at home with their families. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to be home with their family. The, the worker that you're, you're arguing with and the police officer, oh. they want to be home to their families too, doing some shopping. But they're out there trying to assist you, also trying to assist people that really need help, and they got to come to you. <laughs> in the store, and then you're going to sit in there and explain to me why this, what do you, you want me to make this person uh, change a policy that most of the time the price match policy is on the ad for Black Friday? I'm happy to arrest her. I'm happy they arrested. They had to go to jail on Thanksgiving. Yep. Sitting in jail. She needed it. She needed it. And then how you explain it to your kids? Like, mommy, how come you didn't come home last night? (laughs) (laughs) Got arrested over a price match. Now you got to go to court. (laughs) They got to pay that officer overtime for going to court. Pulling footage. All this work you caused because you couldn't get $15 off that TV. (laughs) (laughs) You you dummy. It's like the more you you think about it, the dumber dumber it (laughs) gets. Oh, okay. Well, another person shared where I work, we're open at 9 p.m. on Thanksgiving and don't close until 11 p.m. Black Friday. 
I was the line cure, which means I direct people to the end of the line and show them where the end of the line is and tell them which register to go to when one is empty. A woman stood behind the person, came up and stood behind the person who was already at the register. And my line was 200 people long. So I went to her and said, hey, if you're ready to check out, our electronics line actually starts back here. Her reply was, so I want to check out now. And I said, I understand, ma'am. Everyone here wants to check out as well, but you will be cutting people who have been in line for an hour plus. She screams, open more registers then. Of course, because they always do that. They just think it's an endless amount of registers. Mm -hmm. He said, all of our registers are open, including our pharmacy. There are 1,500 people in store. We're moving as fast as we can. And she continued to argue with me for a good five minutes until she rammed her cart into my stomach and stormed out. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine it, assaulting somebody like that because I told you you had to wait in line? Like, and, and that's one of those things when you say, some people just need to talk to them and, and say it out loud for them. Like, you hit him with a cart because he won't let you cut line and they'll right. argue for a second and he'll say it again. You hit him with the cart because yeah. he wouldn't let you skip the line. Yep. And eventually, probably the fifth or sixth time, they were like, they might just be quiet and walk away because mm-hmm. they realize they are the mm-hmm. dumbasses. Yeah, she's lucky he didn't press charges against her because I would have called the police so fast. Yeah, I'm calling the police. Hopefully they did. I don't know if OP did or not, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't say what he or she didn't say. Yeah, but the the person did her a favor because if you cut in line in front of 200 people on Black Friday, everybody's hot. They got their winter coats on. They tired. That you know they in a food food slosh around in their belly. That's not gonna look, be a good look for you. Like that's for your safety, for you not to cut the line. Yeah. For somebody come up to you and knock you out. You yeah. know. It was like, hey man, I'm sorry, but we gotta run hands now. Yes, I guarantee you. <laughs> if I have waited in line for two hours and I see somebody cut, I'm gonna have something to say about it, and I'm gonna be nice. But somebody else ain't gonna be nice. Yeah, I'm like, all right, so so we can just get in line, in line with more or or no? Right. So, um. Here's a weird one. Someone says, I used to work at a big blue electronics store. So we can probably guess what that one is. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guy offer to eat my pussy till I came so hard that I die in order to get a ticket for a video game console. I declined this offer. Was it a PS5? No, it was not a PS5. Oh, you might be for a PS5. You want to take another guess? No, it was, it was years ago. It was So it was like an older console. Well, the Nintendo Switch. No, well, let's, let me ask you this: what what console would you perform a sexual favor to get a ticket for? That that might be the question to start with. What what console are you uh, are you sacrificing your body to get? <laughs> I don't know if there's a console, but if you would have said a fantasy book series and waited for the next uh, one to come out, <laughs> yeah, you would you probably would give up a lot to get that to get a copy of Winter Winter. I'd be here crying reading it. <laughs> Well, this this um this man offered uh, to prostitute himself for a Wii U. Wow, <laughs> buddy, you're doing it backwards, my guy. You're, you're trying to whore yourself for a Wii U, sir. I just don't even. I'm nervous to know who would ask that, who would accept that. I don't even know. Like it's probably not his first time doing this thing, right? <laughs> um, well. I figured we could end uh, with a with a more positive one. Mm-hmm. So this this person says was working at a clothing store and we were slammed all day. A customer overheard my manager say I couldn't take lunch and to work through it. She came back with sandwiches for me and my coworkers plus drinks. And someone responded and said a small story of human redemption among today's tales of horror. And I thought that was really nice. That is good. That's, that's the that benefits everybody. That one, yeah, that one pissed me off because I know usually when I worked Black Friday, managers always tried to do something for the employees. That they, they always tried to cater lunch, mm-hmm. you know, and they were really good about, you know, maybe maybe if you did have to take a shorter lunch, or you had a, a delay, like if you were on the registers and you couldn't be pulled off because the lines were longer, like they tried to make sure that you could leave early. Or sneak back and get a a bat, you know, a bite of pizza or something like that. But mm-hmm. and I was a crappy manager. You know, why? Why would you want your employees working on the time and then they're gonna pass out? <laughs> it, it it doesn't make any sense when you say it out loud. Just mean, just bad management. And then you wonder around people like, how come nobody wants to work here? 
<laughs> uh, you deny me a meal on the busiest shopping day of the year on a twelve-hour shift. Yeah, you literally don't treat treat us like a person or a human being. Like, why do why would I keep wanting to work here? Yes, and my last my last thought as um, a former retail employee when it comes to Black Friday, also the day after Christmas. That's not the day to try on clothes. That's not the day to have returns. <laughs> Save it for a couple days out. I promise it could wait. Yeah, it's, it's it's not that big of a deal. But. It's honestly not. Just return. Try don't try it on. Just buy it and return it. It it's it's seriously not worth it. We like is it? Can I get in here? I'm like man, it's. <laughs> I'm helping thirty people right now. You think you can hold on? Right, exactly. <laughs> I just need some assistance. You think you could check? I can't check nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are especially this this year of all years it's going to be they're understaffed ain't nobody yeah. taking these holiday jobs as as they no. were in other years no because i you couldn't pay me to, to work these holidays because i you can't get the time off mm-hmm. and, you know and if i did as soon as it got too busy i'm like well i'm gonna walk away i i was just doing this for a little extra money i don't need to be here and i'll never forget one year this woman i was uh working the registry this woman was screaming at me because the store didn't have a enough Christmas decorations and she accused me and my other coworker who was standing there taking the Christ out of Christmas mm-hmm. and she's she had been at another counter where somebody had told her happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas and she just just like felt the need to unload on me and I'm just sitting there like well I didn't even have a chance to greet you hello or goodbye so you don't know what holiday I was going to say, number one. And number two, I'm like, I, you know, I don't know why there are less decorations that you remember or whatever the situation may be. But I, I don't think if us not having enough Christmas trees in the store is going to ruin Christmas for you, that may be something that you need to go home and reflect on. Like, you can put as much Christ in Christmas in your house as you want to. Unlimited. <laughs> Unlimited. Nobody's going to stop you either. Nobody. Are you gonna stop a lady at her house, babe? I sure wasn't. I don't think. I don't think my job was either. But she was furious, and we only. I think we had like two Christmas trees by the escalators, and she just remembered it being way more decorations last year. And so we clearly, me and my coworker who worked in retail and not in not in any type of visuals, we had personally made sure to take down all the Christmas before she got in the store. Well, I'm upset you guys did that to her, and hopefully y'all were able to correct that behavior. Mm. Cause it's just people just selfish. They they they're the heroes in their own world, and they believe y'all employees being paid twelve dollars an hour is trying to stop them. Yeah, I think a lot of people during the holidays are stressed. They're in unhealthy, you know, coming around relatives that they don't like. They have taken a lot, and then they get into the store, and they have a small thing that happens, and they they melt down, mm-hmm. and they can't yell like that at their husband or their mom, so they come in and they yell at the, these teenagers who work in these stores, you know. <laughs> and it's like, well, I I mean, I guess I hope that made you you feel better, but something tells me it didn't. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I if I see somebody yell, yelling at some teenager, any employee, but especially somebody that is clearly a young person, like I'm gonna yeah. walk that person away. I'm gonna ask them like, hey, no, I'm not gonna sit here and let you yell at this child because you can't get the fucking Wii U without eating somebody's pussy. Like <laughs> that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. So all the joys of retail, <laughs> the joys. But yeah, what's uh, what story do you have for us today? Can I guess before you? Before you say it, well, yeah. is it about Capitol riots or is it about the NFL? No, I t- I push those stories to the side. Okay. Um, this <laughs> first story. I'm excited. Is just a quick, and it, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie it into being what well, being thankful is about the generosity of people. But mm-hmm. the headline is a crowdfunded group lost auction for the first edition of the U.S. Constitution. Oh. And literally, it were, um, the it's called the, it was a group called the Constitutional uh, DAO. They got together. They got over two thousand people. Well, I'm sorry, seventeen thousand people to give donations because they wanted they wanted to buy the Constitution so they can put it on display to the public. Oh, okay. That was gonna be one of my questions. Okay. Yeah, they they wanted to have it on display because this is a really a piece of American history. And they yeah. thought they, they pulled their money together. They pulled forty million dollars together. Wow. And they wow. lost a bid. 
Okay, because my first thought when you were when you first intro the article, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, of course, because of course you shouldn't be able to bid on that because it should be displayed on a museum or like it should be in an archive or something where it can be protected. And you think and you think it would be? You think it would? So where is it? Well, Who owns it? They lost out. They had forty million dollars to bid to which, Elon Musk, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. I think it was a anonymous as of now, but somebody paid forty three million dollars for it. Oh my gosh! And, and I, it, I know three million dollars is a lot of money, but it it sounds like such a small difference. Yeah. Oh wow. So and it's not to say that that person won't donate it to a museum to be on display. Yeah. But I know this group wanted to. Like, we're taking a chance with this other person that had that extra $3 million. Where is it? Where was, Who had it to place it up for auction to begin with? It was... $43 million for a copy of the Constitution. A first first edition of the Constitution. Yeah, the, the top estimate originally going in was around $20 million. So, wow. I can understand why they were so confident they would, they, they would yeah, be able to buy away the extra $20 million to course. get it. Oh, good. That, oh my gosh, the person, the people who were in that room bidding. I, I mean, when I'm talking about when you have a moment where your gut sinks. Yeah. Like the moment they realized they were going to get that document. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. And apparently, this was the largest crowdfunded thing for yeah. a physical object in history, aware of except for like crypto and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they all pulled their money together, and I mean, it was it was going to be something special. I think the medium donation was a little over two hundred dollars. But they said they're gonna they're gonna donate all the money back to wow. all the go get all the money back to all the people. Everybody's gonna get refunded and it, not not including the transaction fee. But they're gonna give all the money back. But I'm really curious where it came from. Like who was holding it before? Yeah, and decided to put it up on, put it up for auction. And I'm really curious about who bought it and um and is you know what they're gonna do with it. What the outcome is gonna be? If they did, it didn't say the original owner. So in by in the process of bidding on that, they they doubled the value of this document now. Yeah. To f- for uh, 40, 43 million dollars. Yeah, because I think it also mentioned there there were only thirteen left from the original printing of the Constitution. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so it it wasn't. That's a lot amazing. Left. It's even that many left. And I I'm trying to I want to be exact, but I want to say it was eight that are owned and on display. So the okay. other was just owned in private collections. Private collections, I can yeah. see that. So, such a such a great part of history that I I just don't believe should be owned by any individual person. I mean, I feel like if there are thirteen, eight being on display is a is a good number. Um, I think it's sad that there are other versions or other copies that that there people will never get to see. Like most people will never get to see it. It's behind. It's somebody's private collection. So that is really unfortunate. But I also can kind of feel a little less bad about it because there are more than one as opposed to like some pieces of art that that are very, very valuable and people just have them in their homes and the public never, ever gets to see them. Yeah. Like they won't loan them to any museums and it's a one-of-a-kind thing. So, I mean, better than better than nothing or better than having one or two? Because, I mean, if you have eight, that means there are probably eight different museums around the country that you can go see it at. And let me correct myself. Okay. It said, as of last Thursday, there are 13 surviving copies and only two are don't exist outside institutional collections. So there's only two that are privately owned. Okay. that I mean, that feels a little bit less sad and unfortunate, but I, I do agree with you to a certain extent that those pieces of history are good for the public to be able to have access to. But I can live with two people having them in a private collection. Now, I, you know, I'm not that big of a, I've never been super into like, oh, I'm the only person that has this thing or I'm one of three people to have this thing and I don't let other people see it. Like, I, I think I'm a big fan of, by all means, own whatever you want to own, but loan it to a library or take mm-hmm. it on tour. Well, other people get a glimpse of it maybe every few years and once a generation, you bring, your family brings something out that you have that's valuable and let other people see it and, and get their eye on it, like share it with the world. Why hoard it selfishly? But I'm I'm happy that people can at least see the Constitution if that's something they're interested in seeing. Yes, as you should. I feel like that that'd be super cool just to see the original, one of the original printings of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Like he's like like the, like the article says, there were only 500 printed, and as of right now, there are only 13 left in the world. From that yeah, we know of. Yeah, that we know of. 
So I mean, I probably somebody was in there adding accidentally to have it and don't know. As we as we <laughs> learned from Twitter, um, and TikTok, it's all types of stuff that people have, and and even just antique road show. I still love watching that. You people never know what they have, especially people who are, um, you know, white Americans who can trace their family back centuries. You mm-hmm. never know what what Pop Pop got in his 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 <laughs> uh his chest or his what what are those things called that they give soldiers, um, um or like trunk, the trunk in the trunk or yeah. something like that. Like people find valuable stuff all the time. So, so like uh, this is an original uh Mushimitsu Japanese sword. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's yeah. the, I can't remember the one blade. I I want to say so that happened when I was watching it, like a show like that one time. He brought like a sword in and it was like a a sword from a powerful family before World War Two mm-hmm. that he got over there because the family was like so honored about how he acted. Yeah. Like grand, his great grandfather. He's like, what? And how much is it worth? We about to pass out. You just never know. You just never know what what is, you know, what you're gonna find and what's really valuable. Even mm-hmm. I think just it's important to document your family's histories and lived experiences while they're still alive and get those oral traditions because you just never know how that stuff how you'll value it later on down the line. And I mean, I know in our family, we have like a couple of mysteries about people's identities and histories and heritages that we have no clue of how to even solve. And if somebody had just sat down with that person and documented, Oh, where did you grow up? Who were your parents? What were their names? What did they look like? Mm-hmm. It would solve so many questions. So, um, yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah. Sad for those people though. Yeah. I understand why they're disappointed, but I'm glad there are other documents that people can go enjoy and I, I just thought it was great that just all just all those people came together because they yeah. just really wanted to preserve this thing in history mm-hmm. and you don't have they they knew they didn't have you didn't have to be a super millionaire to do it just a medium um, donation being two hundred dollars everybody donating what they could say i want to help i want to help this part of history be preserved yeah that's i'm a really big fan of like preserving historical landmarks places where things happen and and items as as you can you can save them and document them because i like i like going to museums especially when stuff is obtained ethically mm-hmm. and respectfully and, and seeing those things or going somewhere and knowing that like a person who was monumental in history stood here or you know you get to see what they wore and you see like how tall they were based on how their clothes looked and all those types of things. Of course, I'm a history nerd, uh-huh. but I do think it's really important to preserve that stuff on because it makes it it makes those people feel more real. Yeah, and it yeah. makes the history feel more real. And we can even forgive them for that three fifth compromise. No, I can't forgive them for that. <laughs> I was thinking maybe about some other people. I mean, history is history, and those were still impactful people, whether or not they were good people, they were still impactful. So I'm not gonna shade anybody for like having a connection to the founding fathers and stuff like that. You feel free to have that. I'm not going to take that away from you just cause I'm, I'm not oh, a hey. fan of George Washington. I, I, that doesn't mean that he wasn't an impactful man. And I can see why other people are fans of him. Hey, I can trace my family back to the Virginia areas. Um, uh, somewhere up there, either Virginia or North Carolina area. So, you know, I might That's I cool. might actually be kin to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> Not according to his relatives, but anyway. <laughs> All right, but, well, what do, you, what do you, do you have another story for us good people? I do have a story. Um, So, I want to talk about something that I think happens to a lot of people when you go home for Thanksgiving or the mm-hmm. holidays. You know, uh, you have a Friendsgiving, or you're spending more social time with people that you might spend in other points of the year. And for us introverts, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. And so I found this article from Well and Good entitled, The Introvert Hangover is Real, and Here's How to Deal with It. So would you you consider yourself to be an introvert or more extroverted? Um, You know what, I'm going to go with introvert. Yeah? With extrovert tendencies. I would say you're about 60-40 with the 60% being uh, a little bit more extroverted. Because I think you're good at small talk. People would like to approach you. I think you're friendly. But I think you like you just like to be at home by a certain time. You'd be like, <laughs> I'm an extrovert from like noon to, to about 8.30. And then about 8.39, you you introvert after that. Hey, Big Red said 9 to 5. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for people who are introverted, they need time alone 
to kind of recharge after being social. And so people have started to notice this thing, this the introvert's experience is the morning after hanging out with other people, they might feel almost kind of like you would after a hangover. So kind of just exhausted and out of it, mm. burnout after being around others for a little bit too long. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because it's easy for me to hang out one day, but two, three days in a row, that's hard for me to do. Like if we hanging out on Friday, you probably not going to see me on Saturday. Because <laughs> I, I just need a little me time. Yeah, all that hanging out was done on Friday. And I, I completely understand that mm-hmm. part of it. Like I, I love people. I love everybody. But I need a couple hours yeah. where it's just me. I, mm-hmm. I feel like that could be, sometimes that could be the hard thing about a group vacation. Yeah. It's like we, yeah. we want to do all this together. But it's like, yeah, but I need these six hours this morning to myself. I can see you at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. But before that, don't see me and I won't see you. Yeah. And so they describe this as saying just like for introverts, we need that a long time because we need to be alone with our own thought process and our psyche. And the way that I think about it is like you taking all this information when you're out and you're socializing and you're, you're being an extrovert mm-hmm. and you're taking and you're responding to people. You're thinking of things, you know, ways to engage and things like that. And then as an introvert, you need to come home and process all of that mm-hmm. and take it in and make meaning of it and, and think about it and think about how does that impact how you relate to that person or, what you think about yourself? Like, it's just introverts tend to be a little bit more introspective. And they need space and quiet to do that. Yeah, I can, I can, I, I'm completely with that train of thought. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So for your introverted friends, this may look like, you know, maybe they're not texting you back as fast. They may just need a little, a little bit of space, a, a little bit more space away. So it may be helpful to know if you're not an introverted person, but you have introverted friends. It's not a, a thing of you offending them or they don't like you or anything it's just them doing what they need to do to take care of themselves Mm -hmm. yeah and then they also share in the article some ways for introverts to kind of recharge so if you're going into a situation say you know being home for the holidays spending more time with friends this time of year a lot actually a lot of high school reunions happen this time of year and you know you have to have like four or five days where you kind of have to be on and you have to hang out and you are you know you're not going to get that alone time this is what you need to do to uh, kind of get that time to feel a little bit better. So one thing that's really helpful is meditation or mindfulness, which I like to practice. Mm, so just being present in the moment, like say you can still a little time when you're making your coffee, it's like focus on the smell of the coffee, the feel of like the cup in your hands, the taste of the coffee on your tongue, just like being present in the moment and taking that, that little break for yourself. Yeah, that's really it, interesting. Mm-hmm. It can be really helpful. And that's what I like to, that's why I like making coffee in the morning because it's like my mindfulness practice. Well, don't worry, baby. I'm, I'll make sure you are making coffee all the time. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you do all right. Um, You know, some people like to do things like reading. That's mm-hmm. another way they, they practice, like just getting, escaping away into their own head for a little while. Another one could be just explaining to your family, like, hey, especially if you go from, I, I know when I lived alone, it was really hard for me to go home for the holidays because as much as I loved seeing my family and spending time with them, I was not used to waking up and going right into conversations with people because I had my time where I could get up early, work out, make my coffee, do whatever I needed to do. So maybe I wasn't really talking to people until nine, ten o'clock, like much, much later in the day versus mm. where you live with other people, you know, you're waking up. And you're having conversations in your world. Well, you know, when you go stay with your parents, they waking you up early because they up early. Yeah, they want to see your, they want to see your face. What you doing mm-hmm. down there? They want you to go do something or fix something. Or they got questions. What's wrong with my email? You know, so it's like you have to just help them shift and understand. Like, oh, you know, usually when I wake up in the morning, this is kind of my routine. So I might seem a little out of whack, but I'm just get, kind of getting adjusted to being at home. Yeah. And that way they don't really take it as, um, as personally. And so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's crazy that they are uh, the same effects of being, having a hangover, but I, I can understand yeah. that you're just trying to, you're trying, your mind's just trying to resettle itself and it was yeah. just so active that you're trying to just calm back down. Yeah. So they said it could be something as simple as if your loved ones are reaching out to you, you could just, hey, let people know, hey, I'm in, re- in recharge mode. I'll text you tomorrow or we can talk about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they'll respect that, um, that boundary. 
So yeah, I thought that was a cool article. I think it's always helpful when you find out that you're not alone in something that you're experiencing. They'd be like, oh yeah, I've had that feeling too. <laughs> and you want you want everything to to just come together, and you you, you just, sometimes you just gotta let your mind settle back down. To get yeah. back in the moment, and hey, I'm, I'm, I'm I want to be with you. I'm gonna be with yeah. you. You just gotta let me come back in, it, come back in it at my own pace. And on the flip side, shout out to extroverts who, you know, this year and last year may be the first time where you aren't spending Thanksgiving with people, whether you know for social distancing reasons or you're working or you just split from a partner or something like that. And you know, it's equally hard to be alone. When you're mm-hmm. used to being having a lot of company, a lot of people around you. So just shout out to those people too. Yeah, hey, just know, hey, there's people that care about you, and hey, they want you to enjoy your holiday. Just uh, and have a good one. We all here. This is time a time to be really thankful. And if you're listening to this, it's after Thanksgiving. It is, but you can still be thankful. You can still be thankful. <laughs> Hopefully, you listen to the day after because you just love this podcast. Mm-hmm. Just know we want you. Why you recharging? Too. Why you Why you recharging? <laughs> Or why you feeling alone? You can listen to our voice. Mm, we do got nice voices. Mm, we okay. <laughs> it's beautiful. All right. What you got for us? <clears throat> well, I, my my article comes from the Atlanta Black Star. I'm not sure if you saw this story. Okay. The headline: Remove your Negro Santa. Homeowner who received an angry letter over inflated Black Santa declaration Chill. to mm. make but to make debut as real life Black Santa in the same community. Because apparently... <laughs> Wait, what? I'm lost. Wait, what? <laughs> Our man, Chris Kennedy, he's from North Little Rock in Arkansas. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm assuming that's Arkansas. Uh, uh, in 2020, he has this black inflatable Santa that he puts out. He's been putting out for the last couple of years. Okay. And he received a letter from somebody who identified as white. Right. Telling him to remove that Negro Santa from the front line. Not Negro. Negro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and in the letter, it uh, it claims that Santas are, you're being jealous because of my race. Because uh, I guess the Santa's traditionally white. And the person who wrote the letter identified themselves as white. And mad at that homeowner who's a a black male, have you said black male, <laughs> to be jealous of his race. That's why he changed Santa Claus. It said, Oh, oh, I mean, okay. Yeah, the, the letter said, please, please remove your Negro Santa Claus from your yard decoration. You should not try to deceive children into believing that I am a Negro. Uh, is he? Are they oh, he that wrote it like he was Santa Claus. I guess he wanted to say he was Santa Claus. And that he, how dare he sh- show that Negro Santa on his front yard? And it's just, it's real frightening to to, to see somebody take the time out to write a letter mad because a fictional character is not the race he thinks it should be. This is so interesting, given this is the first year that Disney World has had a black Santa in their Christmas parade. And to see the react, the positive reaction that it got on social media from a lot of, um, you know, uh, black or, or blended families. And then the lack of any type of reaction that it got from a lot of white guests. Oh, not angry, not celebrating it, but also not angry. Almost as if a fictional Santa can be any race. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> a fictional character whose race is not central to his story, his origin story, depending on what, you know, like I, I know the idea of Santa Claus has... European, roots in certain like yeah. European history, but the Santa Claus that we know in America is from Coca Cola. <laughs> so legitly, like it's it's a Coca Cola invented that Santa Claus. I I feel like as long as Santa, if you're talking about the traditional Santa, as long as he has a white beard and he is like a, a heavier set or you know like a, a fluffy looking guy, then that's fine. I don't care what race Santa Claus is, and he got on a red and white suit. That's fine. I honestly don't care. But I and also. That's that man's property. He can do whatever he want to do on his property because this is the same year where we had the guy who had the Confederate flag, uh, KKK ghosts is his <laughs> Halloween decorations in, in New Jersey. So, you know, you can do what you want to do on your lawn. Uh, you can just choose to not look at it. If you don't like seeing the Black Santa, you don't have to look at a Black Santa because you could just keep your eyes on the road. Yeah, and the thing is, is when when I say this is for the kids, this is for the kids because he has a daughter and his daughter loves that decoration, so he puts it up every year. Because, I mean, he, he's a black man. His daughter's a small black girl and she gets to see this big black 
Santa Claus. Yeah, something that looks like that. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. It's again, it's a character whose race is not essential. It doesn't matter. And it it I mean it can be any race. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it does matter. When you see kids who yeah. see Santa look like them, they're more excited. It, it makes them feel more connected to the holiday. In the same way that I was excited when I saw the the black Santa on the Christmas pajamas at Old Navy and the black Santa on, right, on the wrapping paper at Target. Like, it does make you feel excited when you are represented. But let's not pretend like there aren't other options. Like, they had black Santa at Old Navy. They had Santa with a, a white-complexed skin. They had a Santa with like a more a deeper complexed skin to be represent like maybe people who are multiracial or Latino. You know, like there are options. Nobody is taking away white Santa. They're just expanding what Santa can look like so that all children can can enjoy it. And so maybe that person who wrote the letter, that Santa's not for you. That Santa's for other kids because Santa's for kids. Yes. That Santa's for other kids to enjoy Christmas. And so what you're saying is, well, you're jealous of white Santa. It's like, but sir, that wasn't made, that wasn't put up there to make white people upset. That was up there to make other children happy. Yeah, see, like you could have just walked by it. Your your day wasn't changed, but you just wanted to bring misfortune to the, to this man trying to do something good for his family and his community. Like, how does that how does that make you better? The racism jumped out. This man can't even, this man and his daughter can't even celebrate a holiday because you don't wrote a racist letter. And you can't celebrate your holiday because you're so mad that it, something is happening and it's not even on your lawn. Or it's not happening to you. You mad. You that mad where you put a letter in somebody's mailbox or whatever you did. Like, bro, I don't understand what, what is the issue with people who just need Santa to be white so bad. What does it matter? <laughs> well, the, I guess the, the good thing that came from this story, Kennedy was also inspired to begin a new tradition of becoming a black Santa himself after he That's was invited. Right. Yeah, he was invited to a Santa camp <laughs> with the New England Santa Society following the news of this spreading last year. So this year he will get to start the Christmas season and he gets to be Santa Claus to hopefully inspire all children to, yes. to have a good holiday and enjoy enjoy the holidays. Be good and you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 they just, hopefully your child just sees Santa Claus. Honestly... You, they have ways you can go to the mall. You can find out online where there's going to be a black Santa. You can go look and see what the Santa going to be, what they're going to look like online ahead of time for, for a lot of places. You take your child to, to see the Santa that you want them to see. Mm-hmm. You get those direction, those decorations on your lawn. Honestly, just let people find some joy and happiness in these crappy, horrible, sad last two years we've had. People need to be happy wherever they can find it. And if you're doing anything to take happiness away from other people, especially children, you're a horrible person. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're just a bad person. Cause, and I'm sure he wasn't thinking about the fact that this man had a little, a little girl. Cause of course, you know, racists never think about these old black people have children and families that they love. (laughs) You know, he never, it never occurred to him that a child lived at that house, that they like the decorations. Other children don't like the decorations. Other white kids don't care because it's Santa. They don't care. They only, the only reason a white child would think it's something wrong with Santa being a different race other than white is because the parents told him that. And I would like personally next year, I want to see some, some Christmas decorations with people who are Latino, people who are Asian, people who are multiracial. Like, who cares? Doesn't Who cares? It negatively affects no one. Having multi having multiracial Santa's of many races. And you know who it benefits at the end of the day? The businesses. Because when I tell you that black Santa stuff, you cannot get it. It go it flies off the shelves. Mm-hmm. When you add when you include diversity, you're going to make money. And so these companies, even if they're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts, they're incentivized to make it more, you know, open to all cultures and races. That's why you got more Hanukkah stuff in the stores now because they want to make money. And I mean, the 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 byproduct is it's good for everybody because they get to be represented. But it's a market for that stuff, and if it wasn't a market for it, they wouldn't sell it. That's yeah. why Target has more and more multicultural wrapping paper, Christmas stuff, greeting cards. Like you see different skin tones and different body sizes. Because people want to buy stuff that looks like them. Yeah, hey, it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot. Christmas is gonna look a lot different for that individual. It took the time to write that, no doubt. But and it's only gonna become more and more. But you know what? 
it's plenty of stores that also only sell white Santas. Mm -hmm. And you can go get a white Santa. It's not going to be a day in America where you're not going to be able to get something with a white Santa Claus on it. And they never stop selling this stuff with a traditionally white Santa. They never stop. You still get it. Target still has it. Old Navy still has it. Belk and Macy's, they all still have it. That's literally all that's left at the store when we went to Old Navy (laughs) to try to find the black Santa pajamas. It was all white Santas left. Hey, I I got my black Santa pants on. I'm ready. I don't know about you. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get mine, but, you know, it's honestly, it's not that big of a deal. People just... They need to just do themselves a favor and stop being so angry and mad and worked up over things. Life is so much easier when you just, you just stop being so hateful. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. Well, I think. Talking about some Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said that ne- when you pull out Negro, I already know the conversation. We can stop right now, buddy. We don't talk to me. We do um, I just know it was some spelling errors in that article. I mean, in that letter when he wrote, I know he ain't spelling that right. Still typing on the typewriter. But besides that, what 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 do you have for us today? I got a little I got a little final story. So this is a combination of a couple articles, like I like to do. Okay. And I, it kind of made me start thinking about this topic when we were looking for the the pajamas. Mm-hmm. And so this is the time of year where I'm sure everybody has noticed on social media, everybody has couples pajamas right now. Couple sweaters. Couples holiday outfits, family holiday outfits. People like to match. Mm -hmm. Especially this time of year more than ever. But I also think there's a growing trend of younger people as well who like to match as couples. So I know for me growing up, it was always that like middle-aged black couple that matched all the time. (laughs) And they like go to Six Flags and matching matching, uh, mics and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know. Or, you know, that couple or the barbecue or whatever. They always got the same colors on. Yeah, they got the same fubu shirts on. Right. So, in in South Korea, this trend has really been taken off over the last few years. And um, put down the tweets if it has been going on longer than that. That's just when I was able to find out about it from this article. <laughs> but they said that um, in South Korea, relationships are a really big deal. They're like an all-consuming affair. And so couples celebrate anniversaries like every hundred days or not anniversaries, but milestones of like, we've been dating for a hundred days. We've been dating for a thousand days. It's a really big um, deal. And they have like a lot of holidays just devoted to romance and, and couples and things like that. So this new trend has been titled um, couple look or, or like a more demure pairing. It's called semi look. And so basically couples just match things like t-shirts or sweatshirts in complimentary colors, or they have a lot of stores that pre-design outfits to complement each other. So like if the husband has on plaid pants, the wife's scarf will be plaid or her dress will be plaid or her hat or something like that. So basically it's a way to signify like we're a couple, we're in a relationship, we're committed and we're dressing alike. Oh man, what do you what do you do when you break up and you still have all that stuff that only matches her clothes? <laughs> you gotta find somebody else that, that I guess that has the same stuff as you. You be like, well, you in a relationship? Yeah, do your stuff matches? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we in one now too. Yeah. So one of the people they interviewed for the article, and I'm oh, and I'm, I didn't say, but this article comes from Quartz dot com. Um, a gentleman said, when I when I choose clothing going on a date, I usually ask my partner what she'll wear. Then I choose an outfit of similar color or style. It's not the exact same outfit, but I prefer to look like a couple to other people as well. So it's also important to when you, other people see you in public, they can tell by how y'all are dressed that you're in a relationship. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really cool that it's actually more of like an official thing that's done over there. And they have like a word for it as opposed to over here where it's it's more popular, but it's not like a... a a major term that we use to describe it. Yeah, I don't think they're making purposely making regular out like I see a lot of holiday outfits that go over from the men's and women's sections, but to make uh to design something so the both genders are coordinating at all times. Yeah. So that's a too much work for me. Yeah. And so they said that um in contrast to American culture where it's more about like hooking up and people kinda of being like situationships and friend zones and Jump offs and side pieces and sneaky links and everything. <laughs> is that what it was an article? No, this is me. This is me. But the article says that in contrast to American culture in South Korea, some of the values are young love being a positive thing, 
um, longing for like a stable relationship and also the fixation on appearances. So it's like a little bit of, of some negatives there, but they're not really super big into hookup culture mm. versus like people who you can think of in, the, in their early 20s in America are a lot more like, I'm not ready for a relationship. There it's like, oh yeah, you want to be in a relationship and you want other people to see how serious your relationship is. So we're going to dress alike. You know, we're not lonely singles. We're in a, we're a happy couple in a happy relationship. So it's a sign of like how much they love each other. And what were you going to say? Oh no! I was just, I was just vibing to the article. I'm trying to get, okay. I'm trying to be semi old. So that's it. It does sound interesting. It's a weird thing. I mean, but all cultures are different, so I can't really say it's weird. It's it's just how they show each show everybody that they're a couple. Hey, look at our scarves. Yeah. Well, here in the United States, the more people are looking into this phenomenon, and there are fashion psychologists who are actually studying how celebrities tend to dress alike and how that mirrors how other people dress alike. And they've asked themselves like, well, why is it that you've seen people like, have you ever had a friend who dated somebody? And once they get into a relationship after a few months, they start dressing alike or like your friend's style changes. And they're like, why are you wearing, you never wear leather jackets. Now all of a sudden you're wearing the biker jackets and things. And so it's actually psychological reasons behind that. And so a lot of it is, that this is you're dating a person that you like right and you like their personality you like a lot about them to be able to be in a relationship with them and and so most likely if you like their personality their character the way they do things you probably gonna like the way they dress too mm-hmm. and so it, you may start to just kind of pick up some things about the way they they dress subconsciously and so you'll find yourself your your wardrobe will start to get more and more similar yeah, you want to be aesthetically pleasing to the person that you in this uh, long-term relationship with. That's true also. So, like, I know a common one for women is if you get into a relationship with a man and say your boyfriend's favorite color is red, mm-hmm. most likely you're going to start wearing a little bit more red because he likes red, <laughs> you know? And he's wearing red because he likes red. So, next thing you know, y'all got on red. 30% of y'all clothes is red, though. <laughs> yep, yep. So, it's the same thing as, like, you know, mirroring a conversation to show that you're on the same page. Dressing similarly shows that, hey, we're on the same wavelength in our relationship. This is a healthy relationship. Yeah. We think alike. We have similar tastes. And this is how it's conveyed by our matching outfits. See, I should I should have I should have came out when we first started dating and said I like mint green and bumblebee <laughs> be yellow. Who likes those colors? I don't know. I, I would've. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and again it's also a way to signify to other people that you're in a relationship. And so I think that's a little bit of that like evolutionary psychology of like how do you signal to other competitors that this is your mate? This is my mate because we got look at us, we got the same skinny jeans on. Yeah, see our see our striped um tank tops. <laughs> yeah, I I think that too, just on a personal level, a lot of it is we shop at the same places. Yeah. So we kind of wear the same shades or the same type of stuff because it's what's being sold at those stores. So, like, mm-hmm. if we can find a store where both of us can find clothes there that we like, it's probably going to be a little bit of overlap. Yeah, it's going to be the same shades of whatever color we're getting. Yeah. So, yeah, I, de- I, de- I definitely see that happening. Or, if, you know, if they have a, a buy one, get one free sale and I'm getting me a pair of jeans, I'm probably going to get you a pair of jeans. And they may look similar because they're coming from the same store. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, y'all both wearing the same cut. Shit, it's going to... You got on skinny <laughs> jeans. I got on skinny jeans. I yeah. don't know how I'm going to get them on, but shit, I got them. Yeah, so they said, like, the, the way that people are doing it now is, you know, not like the Hawaiian couple, the Hawaiian print shirt on vacation couple. It's, like, more so in a, in a classy, stylish, understated way. So maybe, like, coordinating your outfits... Rather than wearing the exact same thing is is what younger cool couples are doing now. So like, if you have on distressed jeans, your partner might also wear distressed jeans, or both of y'all wearing chucks, mm-hmm. or something like that. Just like a cool understated way to say we're on the same page, we're on the same vibe. Look at us buy buy stuff from the same store. We obviously a couple. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So as you're putting together your family outfits and your couple's outfits or your partner's outfits, if you're you know in a relationship with more than one person, 
Just keep that in mind. It's always good to sort of know the psychology behind what we do. Mm, do we got a couple's outfit for, for the holidays? For Thanksgiving? We do not have a couple's outfit. Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess that means we don't love each other. Does that mean I'm for the streets? That means you're for the streets. No. You don't want to be a couple. <laughs> I don't want to be for the streets, so. <laughs> it's hard going back out there. You got to go back, though. You don't want to be mansion. You don't want that mansion, me. <laughs> Why I gotta be for the streets? Yeah, I couldn't find my Santa pajamas, so you know. I guess I gotta go to the streets, y'all. A little good <laughs> listen, listen to y'all, y'all. That was that was an interesting story about couples, but I guess I'm heading to the streets. So thank y'all again for <laughs> for being here. Any last words before I head off to the road? Yeah, I mean we're in the final stretch of the year. We're getting into the the big holiday, Christmas for those who celebrate Christmas. Yes, Christmas, Hanukkah, Hanukkah Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Um, mm-hmm. any other those cool little holidays yeah. thank, thank y'all again for listening hopefully we can bring even greater content coming up to this holiday season Yeah. Uh, peace and love to everybody and hey we're gonna see you next time next week same, same bad time same bad place talk to you later <laughs>